Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, happy to report I just returned from the SoftwareY Advanced Poker Training Academy this past uh, few days. It was an absolutely fantastic experience. Uh, I learned a ton, met some really great people, and I'm going to be at the future camps helping out. I highly, highly recommend that anyone who's serious about improving as a poker player consider attending. Uh, the next camp is March 19th through the 21st in Las Vegas. Uh, Zach and I will both be there. You can learn more at softwareyacademy.com or using the link in the show notes. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Jack. Hey, Zach. How are you doing? Doing all right. Just uh, had some plans that changed, a little bit of volatility in the life, but happy to, to get into some volatility in poker. Volatility, man. That's the name of the game. Uh, let's hear about it. So I had the pleasure of playing myself for the first time about three, four weeks on Saturday, just a couple days ago. And this was the fourth hand that I was dealt, the first hand that I played at the Asper's Casino in Stratford, London. At the time, there was a kind of 888 big poker event going on. This hand took place around, I think, 10, 10.30 p.m., so the room was still lively. Part of the tournament was still going on. And this was at a 1-3 pound game. What was the uh, buy-in structure of this game? I know some of these London casinos, they do uh, not necessarily typical American buy-in structure. Yeah, good good point. So it's it's it was a 500-pound buy-in where you can buy up to half the biggest stack. And then starting at, I think, 2-5 at this casino, you can buy up to the biggest stack. Okay, so that was cool. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm 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 the effective stack in the hand with 500, at least against the main villain. Okay. So, a little bit of background on this guy. He is kind of early 30s, British. The room was probably more like international than you know proper proper Brits, and he was talking about poker strategy with another American at the table two hands before because he feels like he made a big mistake. So he's, he's someone who definitely thinks about poker a little bit, not necessarily particularly good, but definitely much better than your average kind of one, three player and probably a little bit on the, the, the tighter side, just based on the hand that I, that I saw. Okay. So it's, folded to me and i have the king six of diamonds in the cutoff this is a pretty automatic raise uh this guy's on the button and i make it eight eight pounds to go this guy calls this is one and then both blinds call this is one three Mm -hmm. any reason for such a small size i wasn't really thinking that it was one three (laughs) okay just a mistake on my part. Yeah, just a little one okay. of one of it, one oh, of no. at least two. Okay, that's interesting. Well, it just you know we'll have to go forward th- realizing that this was a very small raise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you make it eight. Yeah, uh, everyone calls. So now we have you know thirty-two pounds. I they take the rake in at the end here, but you know it's five percent up to ten pounds, and. So, you know, around 30 in the pot. 
And then the, the flop is the very beautiful 3-4-5 with the 4-5 of diamonds. I have the king 6 of diamonds. Yeah, okay. They check to you? So checked check to me, and I have to bet 25. I basically want to keep all draws and all one pair hands in. Both blinds look like fairly typical when I amateur players. And I think that for a size of 25, it's on the bigger size relative to the pot, but in terms of absolute dollars or absolute pounds, which is, I think, more important at the low stakes, it it's going to be perceived as, oh, okay, he's, he's betting one kind of 25-pound chip. And I think I'm going to get called by most one-pair hands and keep even most weak draw hands in where if I you know bet 30 or even more, I think, then I start to give a reason for some of those hands to fold. But I don't see a big a big difference in terms of elasticity between 20 and 25. Yeah. I like this. I like that you're not trying to advance leverage to the flop, getting antsy with, you know, a big combo draw. You know, a lot of people want to ensure that a lot of people are, when they get to this spot, they're basically thinking like, well, if my opponent has a setter straight, like I've got like enough equity to get it in, like, you know, somewhat happily. And so let's just let's just start piling money in the pot in case my opponent has a huge hand and so that I can just stop thinking and just get all the money in now. And that's just not the right approach in my mind. Like we don't want to bet something where a one pair hand is gonna fold because you know, basically all the one pair hands on this board we have absolutely crushed in terms of not only equity, we might may or may not have them crushed, but in terms of E V like they they just have no chance against our hand here. And so keeping in all these sort of weaker hands, these dominated draws is really important. We're free rolling against most sixes basically. So yeah, this I like this bet a lot. And I don't even and the nice thing is that like you haven't mentioned that it's close to a pot size bet, but it's just in a four way pot at these stakes with these stack sizes, it's not gonna be perceived with any kind of irregular strength. And I think you also could easily get raised, which is not a bad thing since I think we can call M three bet, you know, with extremely high expectation. Yeah. So and and just to clarify, if I was in like a tougher game, I would probably bet twenty. But the reason I'm I'm like sizing up here a little bit more is because I, I think that from those weaker hands that I really want to incentivize to keep in as opposed to fold, they are gonna call the twenty five. But theoretically I want to use a, a bit of a smaller size than twenty five. Yeah, I think in a really in a really tough game, you could go for like an interesting like check and disguise your hand and raise you could you could even check raise the button here or raise uh, the blinds a lot when they bet on a card that is sort of neutral or favors your range. You have some options. I think checking a hand like this is not what I would usually do. I would almost always bet it, but I think like in a tough game where people would expect you to bet a lot of your flush draws in sixes, um, I think it'd be interesting to check this hand back. Yeah, for sure. I think in a tougher game, I'd be, you know, betting between betting around 20, maybe even a little bit lower and mixing in some checks. But in this low stakes game with two blinds that, you know, when they called the eight pre-flop, it looked like, they didn't really have a folding range, you know? 
So those type of players, yeah. I don't think are going to have much of a folding range with open enders as well as some gut shots and definitely not any flush draws or one pair of hands. Sweet. So I have a 25, the button calls and the two blinds that I was hoping more for a call, they will fold. Yeah. Not the best outcome, but I think any call is going to be at least somewhat mar- like marginally to our benefit here. Yeah. So now the turn is a pretty good card. You know, 80, 82 in the pot for rake. And it's an offsuit deuce. So I turn the second nuts and, you know, I'm very, very happy with my hand. The button has me covered. And here's where I think I make a mistake. Actually, before I say what I'm going to do, I'd love to hear what, what you think I should do, Jack. So I definitely think you should check. So you're, let's, let's think about your range. You know, you're the opener. You opened to eight, which is a little weird. Like, I don't know. So here's the kind of, here's kind of the odd thing. Like, I don't know that you're going to be getting credit for like the big aces and the big pairs here. Cause you raise so small. It's, it's like weird. They haven't seen you play. Like maybe they just think that this is like your sizing and you're like some online guy and who knows, but you did raise small. So your range could be perceived a little bit strangely, but still you're the opener. So you should have a lot of ASEX here and over pairs. And a lot of those are going to want to check and your opponent it's going to have plenty of sixes, plenty of flush draws. Some pairs they might want to turn into a bluff. And maybe also some aces that they think they can bet with you know, relative impunity since they're probably perceiving you to be capped at an ace is your most likely value hand. Obviously, like a thinking player should realize that you have sixes, but I think they're just going to be focusing on different parts of your range somewhat irrationally. And they're going to be incentivized to bet a lot of different types of hands. And so I think I would just go for a check raise here. You could even consider a check call and wait to check raise the river and check just check bomb. Especially because I think 6-7 is somewhat unlikely. It's not impossible. But obviously, like, 6-7 with a diamond draw is impossible. So I think most combos of 6-7 would raise the flop. If I know low-stakes players, they tend to be a little antsier. Now, remind me, is the button the one who was a little bit tighter and a little bit more thinking? Yeah, so that means, you know, we could we could take out... I think he probably only... Hit, he almost certainly only has suited 6-7 combos here. Maybe yeah. not almost certainly, but yeah. Yeah, I think against this player, we can induce a lot of bets, and we can probably get it in here a lot against a 6. Like, it might go check-raise, 3-bet. And I think... We kind of have to check raise against this player since they're going to be a little bit more overpair heavy. Like eights, nines, tens, I think is going to make up a lot of their calling range plus flush draws. And we're obviously happy to like, just check raise those flush draws. And so, yeah, I think definitely against this player, I'm just going to be check raising and I'm, I'm not going to bother with check calling because I expect a tighter player to check back the river a lot. Yeah. And I think given how deep we are, we just really have to be check raising here because it's just hard to get it all in against our value target of let's say an ace and we also just give him give him incentive to potentially bluff yeah i I think i think starting by checking here is by far the best play but i had not played poker in a little bit 
and I didn't fully think through his range composition and player type in person. And I opted to, I was thinking, okay, like, how do I get max value from like ASEX? Because I think his flush rows are going to check back a lot, which might be true, but sometimes they don't. And then that's really good for me when I'm able to get a check raising against those hands. And I think I need to be checking, but I opted to bet 80 into the pot of 82 with the thought that I'm going to be value targeting ASEX. I think a six is just going to be raising me here and I could just get it in and, and be free rolling. And then I'm not really worried about the other hands. So I don't think like, let me just throw some, some props to the bet here. Since I think, if this player is not going to be betting their flush draws and can be checking them back at a high frequency, then the bet is pretty solid. So the thing I really like about check raising is that it just, it's easier to get max value against uh, his aces, which I think are likely to bet, and his sixes, which we're free rolling against and are very likely to bet. But if part of checking is thinking that the one pair hands might decide to bluff and also that the Flush draws are very likely to semi-buff. And I, I do think that's the case with a player of this profile, but that might not be the case. And so I think there is some merit to betting. Like, there are some things that betting accomplishes that checking doesn't. But yeah, I, I do think... I, I'm still in agreement with you that check-raising is best. I don't think check-raising... Like, I to, to be clear, I think I do not think he is betting his flush draws most of the time. I think it's, like, on some percentage range between, like, 10 and 40, 50% based on the player type. Oh really? And hmm. yeah, and I also yeah, and I also don't think he's ever really. I mean, I think, and then I think on a small a small amount of time he's turning one fair hands into a bluff. But most importantly, I think this just allows us to stack an ace almost every time. So like, let's say he bets fifty or sixty on the turn when we check, then I could make it like one hundred thirty, one hundred fifty. He's never folding, and then after that, now we have between like three twenty and three eighty in the pot with less behind in the stacks and then he has to fold the straight to an American he's never played with before, you know? So I I just think we really maximize our expectation against the ace, which was the value target and main purpose behind I betting so big on the turn. And then we kind of have the optionality when it comes to the, the flush draws and the one pair hands where great. If he, like I could be wrong and then I get all the upside by checking, but even without any of that, I still think it's the better it's the better play. And then just depending on how often he bets his flush draws in one pair hands, it goes from like definitely better to like so 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 much better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll just make one note, you know, of interest on this player type that you're describing, like someone who's a little tighter and a little bit more thinking. Forehand sample, by the way. Okay. So not 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 much to yeah, go on, but that's fair. Well, then, yeah, I guess I'm. My hunch is that he's going to be betting flush draws more than you think he is. But I also I don't agree that it's very unlikely that he's going to turn a pair into a bluff, especially explicitly as a bluff. He might bet a hand like sevens here, I could see, you know, thinking that yeah. good things will happen compared to, like, checking back. But he might not be thinking that exclusively as a bluff. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So you bet and tell me it doesn't fold. <laughs> He calls quickly. Okay. And based on the way the way he calls, you know, I think that's very consistent with an ace. I think a six is definitely not going to be calling that quickly. 
And I think there are a few hands that aren't straights here that are going to be calling quickly on a four-card straight board. Yeah, I agree. This this feels ace-like. I could also see this as a flush draw. Yeah, yeah, it could it could be a flush draw too sometimes. Now here's a here's an interesting question. Do you think the nut flush draw just like snap calls? No. Too much to think about. This guy called very quickly. Yeah, that's that's my hunch too. And like whether whether or not I think this guy would have arrived at a call or a raise is a little harder to say. But if the action just like went by pretty quickly on this street, because it seems like you probably didn't think that much about the bet, and then he instantly called, and you bet kind of large. I just think that hand, yeah, I agree. It has more to think about. And so the instant call makes me want to discount it a little bit. I'd want to discount it a little more than a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I do think there are some players who like recognize this as like a very, very good time to just flat with enough flush draw. Like, I think it is. But, and so I think there's a non-zero chance that's actually like somewhat significant that this player is kind of decent and thinks of this as just like an excellent time to flat and decides to do it very quickly for some reason. Plus, like the enough flush draw might have just raised, like that's a hand that's going to send me above the flop at some frequency. So I agree with you in the sense that I think it's sort of unlikely to begin with, but the question of how likely was it to just flat is interesting. You know, it's, it's also like reasonable consider that we should be discounting flush draws somewhat generally. We should also, I guess, discuss like which ASEX combos we think are likely. Like, do you think ASEX suited with the backdoor flush draw on the flop are likely to float? Hmm. He's on the he's on the button, pretty deep. It's definitely possible. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think. The ace wheels, ace deuce might raise, but all the ace wheels I could see just flatting, flop. Ace three, ace four, ace five suited. So that's like somewhere between eight and eight and twelve combos, depending on whether he raises ace deuce on the flop or raises the ace wheel that has a flush draw, and then the. A6 hands are also possible, although I think those would raise the turn at a fairly high frequency. So, and that's also less relevant. But yeah, I guess the point is like, there's a lot of ace preflop, but I don't think necessarily like ace-jack offsuit just calls the flop. But maybe some of those ace-x offsuits with the ace of diamonds specifically do call. Anyway, we're still dealing with like a fair amount of aces is the point, but... When we just talk about ace-x generally, I think it it underemphasizes the amount of aces that I think this player just folds on the flop. I don't think they're just calling with like the bottom end of a gut shot or like you know a, a sort of bad straight draw at a high frequency. And that makes a better argument for him just having way more ace-x here on the turn. And, and, and to be clear, just to get back to the nut flush question, I think if he took 10 seconds, it'd be a very different story. He called within three or four. So I think this player is certainly capable of like thinking through within 10 seconds that the nut flush draw is actually a really good calling candidate here. But the ease in which to and speed in which he called makes me still have to like, discount it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to emphasize it's much more about the live read than it is about the theory. So he calls 240 in the pot, a little more than 360 behind, and the river is an offsuit nine. And here 
is where I'm still kind of unsure of what the best action was. So I opt to, to shove, just thinking that he has ASEX a lot, and that this is a spot where I'm either doing one of two bet sizes. I'm doing something like a little more than half pot, where ASEX is never going to fold, or I'm going for max value, given that you know he has a straight and a very strong bluff catcher, and he hasn't seen me play a hand yet. I just generally, I'm normally perceived as someone to be bluff heavy. This normally happens after I'm at the table for longer, after I'm talking more, after they see me playing longer. But I just think given how I come off, generally speaking, I'm going to get calls here a lot by ASEX. In retrospect, I'm really not sure. This is, you know, by, by the way, I'm saying this, it's, it's up, it seems probably clear what happened. He he folded. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's an interesting question of as to what bet size, and it's it's hard not to be results oriented here, where overbet shoving might have been like by far the best play, and I just happened to run bad against the guy I only saw play four hands. I think overbet shoving is likely to be better than betting a hundred. I can definitely get behind overbet shoving, since I I think it'll be perceived as like a chop lock often. People hate to get, you know, bet off a chop even maybe more so than like their equity in the pot dictates they should be. But I actually think it's interesting to consider a check raise here, a check jam. I think some interesting things happen when you check, when you shove, obviously like all flush draws fold. And when you check here, I think flush draws are at least tempted to semi bluff. And so that happens at, some frequency. The ASEX hands, those are interesting because I do think like calling the overbet shove correlates with wanting to try and chop lock yourself. And so I don't think you'd necessarily miss a ton of value by checking to this guy versus overbet shoving and hoping that he bets himself, you know, maybe for thin value or to try and chop lock and then we might have an easier time getting called check raise shoving when this guy has to call, you know, two hundred and a thousand or two hundred into a thousand versus three sixty into what will be a thousand. So yeah, I think check check shoving is an interesting possibility. It's hard to go too wrong here. Yeah, I think the I think the check question is interesting. I think it's because I bet so large on the turn a player like this might be more likely to just check back an ace you know feeling like once i bet big on the turn i'm kind of saying i have a straight or better you know or or like a bluff type hand so i think this this is the type of player who i would expect to check back aces which is then really not good i think if that wasn't the case and i thought and this player would go for value with an ace most of the time, then yeah, I think checking checking to start is really good. Especially then we get we get some value from his flush draws in a way that we wouldn't by shoving. But I don't think that's the case. So I think I think it's more about what bet sizing do we use on the on the river. And I think for sure overbet shoving is better than a hundred, but is overbet shoving better than hundred eighty? Not sure. Yeah. 
does he call the overbit shove a little more than half the time of calling 180? Seems reasonable. Didn't happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a, a fine bet. No qualms. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt in that it was probably the best play. But most importantly that, you know, I, I, I missed the check on the turn. Yeah, I think, like, we shouldn't factor this in too much either. But I think I think there's worse things for your image long-term at the table than to shove here. And even if you don't get a call. Like, I think that has some worth in terms of people just uh, thinking that, you know, you're willing to put in that kind of money. Potentially with a bluff. Yeah, for sure. You could flash the King of Diamonds. I consider doing that. Yeah. But I norm- I normally really don't show unless I think it's going to like also really tilt someone. And this guy didn't seem like he'd be particularly tilted by it. Yeah, this would be more for the table saying, like, if you want to call down against me, you're going to have to call down a lot. Yeah. Which I think can be a useful... It can be very useful since if, if we're going to yeah. be playing a lot of hands, we're going to be needing to get a lot of faults. And if it's like a slightly tighter or more average game, then we probably will want to be playing a lot of hands. You know, the only time I'm not playing a lot of hands at the low stakes are when it's a very, very loose game. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. I mean, to follow you in the cutoff, which is already like unlikely for a very loose game. Yeah. So it's, that's an interesting thing to consider, a, a sort of small benefit, maybe five pounds of future EV to being able to sit, you know, show to the table that like you ripped it with, you ripped it for 360, like a big over bet shove on the river on a board that doesn't like necessarily favor your range where you have plenty of available bluffs. I think that's interesting. There's no reason well, for them ha- to necessarily like assume that you didn't just have like queen 10 offsuit yeah like they might just think you're crazy well definitely some of them did which yeah. worked out to my favor nice. <laughs> yeah there's another there's another there's another hand that as much as i'd love to talk about on the podcast it's one of these hands where there's just there's so many kind of live subtleties that it just sounds like I'll basically just be telling a complete spew back brag story and then just qualifying everything being like, no, you had to be there. It was right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I I, ended up getting down pretty big in an annoying spot a little bit later, slowly chipping back up and then getting, uh, my whole like close to a thousand pounds stack in against a very bad player with one pair. And, it being good so it was a fun oh, session it was good nice oh man your tone i thought you were uh i thought you were not good no this was a guy who just was yeah there's a lot of stuff that went down i had to correctly call a limp shove with king do suited a lot of back raising going on yeah preflop the king do suited yes <laughs> nice. dead money man Dead money. I see. All right, man. Well, happy to hear of some success in your return to the felt. Hopefully, you won't have to go through another one of these, you know, three week plus reprieves. No, that's not fun. 
yeah, no, I'm going to play at least one more time this week. So, right. And then, then Vegas soon. All right, man. Good luck. Thanks.